Coming to you live from the studios in Mount Prospect, Mark Button and Chris Laporta in the Breakfast Balls Podcast. Nailed it. So from there, um, my wife at the time, she's my girlfriend at the time. We had met in Arizona. She went to Arizona State. Um, She graduated college and she wanted to work in biotech. There's no biotech in Arizona. Um, She's from California originally. So she started looking for a job out here and quickly found something. Um, So we were moving to California. You're out in the Bay. Area. Yeah, we're. I'm just. I'm up north, kind of by Napa. Um, yeah. So we uh, <clears throat> we were we were going to move here anyway, and there was a company called Cool Clubs. I don't know if you guys have heard of them. They're a golf club fitting company based out of Scottsdale. Their headquarters was right next to the country club I worked at, and I walked in there one day, and already with the plan of moving to California and walked past the guy that was posting a job for San Francisco. And I knew him. I said, Jared, what are you doing? You know, what is that? And he goes, it's a shop we're opening in San Francisco. Um, it's brand new. I'm posting a fitter job. And I said, I'm moving to San Francisco. He goes, and we kind of looked at each other. He said, no, you're not. I said, yeah, I am. And he goes, give me your application. Do you want to work for us? And I said, yeah. And I gave my resume that day, had an interview the next morning and had a job that next afternoon. And I went to work for Cool Clubs, um, Scottsdale. I trained there. And then when we moved to San Francisco, we ran the San Francisco fitting shop for about four and a half years. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) So when did you move? When did you guys move to San Fran? Um, It's been, I think it was about eight years ago now. Yeah. Okay. All right. For a bunch of hacks what? like us, um, ahead, is Cool Club something that we could uh, uh, that would be good for bad golfers, or is it strictly for good golfers? So when I when I initially started working there, I would have told you um, stay away. I would have told you this is you know TrackMan technology and shaft technology. It, it, you should have kind of an idea of a consistent move at the golf ball. Um, it's going to benefit better players. As I continued to work there for a while, I realized the exact opposite was true, that higher handicappers had a much more benefit to club fitting than lower handicappers. I could help somebody with a higher handicap a lot faster than I could help a two or lower handicap because the variables were so much wider apart. If you're playing with the wrong clubs and you're a 20 handicap, putting you in the right clubs cuts so many strokes off. It's, it's amazing what, what can be done. 
Now, if you've been fit before, every person's different. And that was where I really got good at my job. I really got good at analyzing somebody's background and their swing, where they come from, and realizing that, okay, this guy's driver. Okay, this is a this is an example from when I worked there. I had a, a you know, a guy in his early 30s come in, big strong dude that had some club head speed and could actually swing it pretty fast, but he was hitting like a regular flex driver and spinning the ball 4,000 RPMs and carrying it 240 and it wasn't going anywhere after that. And I'm like, you should be hitting it, you know, 280, 290 off the tee. And he looked at me like I was fucking crazy. And I said, Mark, this might be you. Might well, be you said I, big. You said big and strong when he started this, so it definitely wasn't talking about me. Yeah, you're big and <laughs> big and. What wide. I liked about what we did is we worked with the clients' current clubs, so we would measure those clubs' shaft frequencies, lofts, lies, um, grip size, length, all all the variables that come in that golf club, and tell you exactly what you're playing with compare it to your golf swing and where those two might not be meeting up. Now his shaft was an OEM shaft. It was from the manufacturer stock shaft, if you will. And it said the word stiff on it. But when we put it on the frequency thing, it didn't measure stiff. It measured like a light regular shaft. (laughs) And when I put the shaft in his hands, frequency wise, boom, 285 first shot. It's like and and just that holy shit meter goes off in his head and he's like, yeah, there's, there's I was just there's, there's, the holy so. shit meter just went off for me so that there's a chance I could actually <laughs> hit the ball to a right. Well, you got to get rid of the senior bucks. <laughs> the wet noodle, yeah, I could probably get rid of that. So the the that holy shit moment and it was cool. It was like wow, I can really improve people by changing equipment and it's a lot easier than teaching. But where I got, <laughs> but where I got into kind of a grind was when somebody would come in with some serious swing faults, and it's like my background is in teaching, my background is in golf professional, but I need to sell this guy driver. And you know, the company I worked for was about fitting people for golf clubs. It wasn't about teaching, but I had all those TrackMan data right there, and I, uh, it's like, oh man, why? I want to teach this guy so bad and the conflict of selling a driver versus um, teaching somebody their their fault and where they should maybe work a little bit on their golf swing kind of wore on me for a little bit it's like how could I tell somebody that swings one way that you know a $500 driver plus a $200 shaft is your way to go yeah, yeah. so that's yeah, fair, so the morality yeah, that's of that kind of wore on me a little bit um, I, you know, I, and the grind of it, working a schedule, and then we started commuting and this was basically the, the end of the whole thing. My wife and I started commuting. We had our first baby. Um, we would leave Bay area traffic is an absolute nightmare. Um, I think it's worse than Los Angeles traffic now. Um, we would leave our house at five 30 in the morning. I would drop my wife off at her job. I would drop the baby off at daycare five o'clock. I would pick the baby up at daycare, pick my wife up at work and we'd spend two hours in the car. Um, we were in the car for three and a half plus hours a day. 
And it really started to take toll on home life and everything and my job. I didn't want to go to my job anymore. I didn't want to drive there. And uh, it really kind of took toll. And then my wife got a new job with a significant pay increase. And then she got promoted within that job in a significant pay increase and said, you don't got to do this, man. And I said, oh, I can stay home with the kid. And there was another kid on the way. I can stay home with the kids. And she said, yeah, why don't you stay home with the kids for a while until they're ready for school? And I said, fuck yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Quit my my job, you know, reluctantly, respectfully. Um, I I still have a lot of respect for that company. Um, Wait, wait, you didn't start swearing. (laughs) You know, what's funny about that is the minute, the minute my buddy Jared and he trained me, um, the minute he said we, we have a position available, I tucked my shirt in and fixed my hair, and went home and shaved. And I said, "I gotta, I gotta turn the around because <laughs> they're not gonna have me if I'm, I'm that guy." So, so I went back to being a, a professional, but would still, you know, what my customer base really liked about me. I, I hate doing this. I'm, I'm a pretty modest guy but what I was really good at was individualizing my service and individualizing how I would talk to people if somebody would come in my shop and they were proper and country club I could go business professional somebody came in with flip-flops and a t-shirt I can yeah what's up dude let's go and hit some fucking balls yeah so being able to do that emotional emotional IQ 100%. So that was why I was really good at that job because I could I could individualize that service and get on somebody's level and I got really good at it man and and I like I said I reluctantly quit but the commute and everyday life was was kind of a drain and then I did do you think you would open up your own shop after the kids? No, before? 100% no. I am I am so happy <laughs> yeah. being out of the golf business and I am so happy paying awesome. a green fee. Um that sounds crazy to a lot of my friends that are still in the golf business. They're like, "I can't believe you go pay green fees cuz for the long <laughs> that's one of your benefits, right? To working in the business is you don't got to pay and if yeah. you do pay, really, you know, it's tip our outside service and tip the beverage cart. So what I like about it is I get to go play these golf courses now, pay a fee, and I'm the guest, man. People call me sir. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm no longer walking on eggshells and, and, you know, being careful. I'm enjoying the game and I'm enjoying – playing different places. Now that's not to say that I don't take advantage of some situations where I know people and I know golf professionals and I take invitations to play at extremely nice places. I still do. But yeah, one of our, one of our good friends is in the industry and he's only our friend because he's in the industry. He doesn't know that, but we definitely take advantage of him. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Jay, we're talking about you, Jay, when you listen to this. Yeah, if you didn't say his name, he probably wouldn't have been smart enough to figure we were talking about him. We can Uh, can edit that out. 
Jay's like that kid in high school that you, you knew that had a hot tub and you're just friends because he had a hot tub. <laughs> yeah, one of them. All right, for All sure. Right, Billy, I got to shoot sure. straight with you here. Do it. Uh, your cigar game is truly on point. Um, so from someone like myself that all I know is like black and milds and Swisher Sweets, give me something to go off of when I, when I, when I pick up some cigars for the buddies. You really have to find out. So cigars only recently happened for me. It's when we had our first kid and I decided to stay home. I needed something when that baby would take a nap, right? Because babies sleep a lot. So I needed to find something to do for that hour or two hours that kid was going to nap. So smoke a cigar. A cigar takes, if you smoke it correctly and it's a good cigar, it'll take about an hour, 45 minutes to an hour to smoke. So something wrong. Yeah, so I had an uncle that was really, I have an uncle that was really into cigars. So he kind of led me down a path and said, what you really need to do is just try a bunch of cigars. And that's what I did. I went to a local um, cigar lounge and walked in and said, hey, I don't know anything about cigars. And bought a few samples and went home and really found a flavor profile that I liked and a style that I liked and kind of figured out what I do. And so what I do now is when I go buy cigars, I'll buy one or two that I know I really like. I have two cigars that I know I really, I enjoy. And then I'll buy three, four or five new kinds. Cause there's so many, it's like golf clubs and golf balls and everything else. There are so many manufacturers of cigars that you got to try you got to sample everything to know and and i'm still running i'll run into something i've never tried and i'm like oh, shit that's really good and i what i've learned to do is keep the label because i i don't speak spanish and i can never <laughs> i can never remember the names of these things for the longest time and somebody would ask me well what kind of cigar do you smoke and I'm like, La la something <laughs> brown and it's got a red layer and they're like okay you need to be a little bit more specific it's like Shh, I don't know and somebody just one day said why don't you keep the labels I'm like oh that's a good idea so I keep the labels in a little jar and and now now I know what I've smoked and now I've even gotten to the point where I take pictures of the labels so I have them in my phone so if somebody asks me what you know something I should smoke I'm like well okay let me pull up here it is right here and I I'll forward a picture to you this is this is a kind of cigar so what i like is i like the darker cigars the maduro cigar um which is based on the wrapper um the color the darker cigars are usually all maduro wrappers and all that really means is that tobacco has been aged a little bit longer so it has a little bit sweeter taste um than like the lighter brands and that's that's basically the difference there is there's the old adage that the maduro cigar is stronger and has a stronger profile than the the lighter cigars but that's changed a little bit i think in the last decade or so that where it's not necessarily stronger than the lighter cigars but there are some and there are a few that i smoke today that i won't have 
I'll have maybe one every other month because it'll put me on my ass for the afternoon if I smoke the whole thing. <laughs> um, so how do those, Billy, how do like, how do traditional cigars or other, you know, I, I shouldn't say, I don't know the, the right terminology for lack of a better word, I guess, but like compared to like a Cuban cigar. So people are always talking. So I'm going to say something right now and, and a lot of people will disagree with it, but the Cuban cigar is one of the most overrated things in the world. Um, and the reason I say that is because there are so many countries that make cigars um, that are really, really good. And the Cuban cigar is really good and it has a distinct flavor profile. The Cuban tobacco, it's, uh, I can't technically express the difference, but there is a difference um, and it is really good. But there are a lot of other countries that make cigars and companies that are outside of Cuba that make great cigars. Um, the Dominican, Nicaragua, Honduras. And then also there are Cuban cigars that have tobacco filler um, from other countries. So they're not 100% pure Cuban tobacco. Um, so that's kind of my view on Cuban. I, I love Cohiba is probably the most prominent and well-known Cuban cigar. Uh, right. And Cohibas are great. They really are. It's a great cigar. It is fucking expensive, um, but it's a really great cigar. If you're gonna if you're gonna treat yourself, as the kids like to say, yeah, go ahead buy a Cohiba. <laughs> but I'll tell you a cigar maybe from the Dominican that's half the cost. That's just as good or better than that Cohiba cigar. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So I think maybe a lot of that came from like the mystery of it, right? Like, or the allure that we weren't trading with Cuba for so long and you couldn't really get your hands on it unless you knew someone, you know, yeah, 110%. 110%. And then you would always see like images and movies and celebrities. I only smoke Cubans, you know, it's like, okay, that's, that's cool. And that was kind of the mystique of the whole thing. And like you said, the legend, because you couldn't get them unless you knew, somebody in South yeah. Florida or somebody that was illegally importing them. You know, being, you know, being a great golfer like you are um, or were, um, <laughs> what, what advice do you have when you're teaching your daughter? You're like, you know, so, you know, how do you go about helping your daughter with, with her swing? What kind of approach do you take? It might not fit for every kid, but I think having that kind of feedback is good. You know, just, just how to work with a kid, you know, uh, with their golf swing. Um, number one is have fun. Um, yeah. I, as, so in that last job I had at, at cool clubs, I, I worked with a lot of junior golfers and a lot of really good junior golfers from the Bay area. And a lot of them have gone on to really cool things in college golf and other things, but the ones that didn't, that should have were just grinding so hard and had parents that, just stood over them and you know the the tiger mom thing um, the helicopter tiger mom is a serious issue and yeah. and not actually no tiger not tiger mom. Mom. she's cool you know, but, um there's something called a tiger mom and that that's just a mom that's fucking serious about her kid being awesome and great about everything and making every practice yeah. swing perfect and the, the first thing I said is when my kids come up in the game, we're going to have fun. We're going to go out and we're going to 
hit balls. You know, if we hit dumb shots, we're going to laugh about it. Um, and we're gonna have fun with it. And that's what my daughter does is we go out to the range and I don't teach her anything. That's the other thing. I let her watch and let her do her own thing and kind of find her own way because I let her body work the way a hundred percent. I believe that everybody yeah. kind of has their own golf DNA with their takeaway and their grit, everything. My swing is a hundred percent unique. I do things that I would never teach to anybody. Um, and I let her hit balls. Now I'll correct little things like ball position. Um, I'll correct little things like where her hands go on the club, but I'm not going to sit there and you know put your hand, your hands are in the wrong position. If she gets out of position, I'll let her kind of make some swings and make some mistakes and go, okay, honey, put your hands together. And she puts them together and makes a good swing. It's like, oh, there you go. Um, so that's that's, awesome. that's number two is number one to have fun. Number two is letting her find her own way. She's five years old, for God's sakes. I can't, you know, teach her too much. She gets sugar crowned down. And then I think the third thing, and it's really an issue in our country, is not specializing in one sport. And she's already five and she's a gymnast. She She's in a pre-competitive gymnastics group, um, which has been a godsend that she's strong as hell now after about a year of this gymnastics. She plays soccer. Um, she does a lot of different things and then also plays golf. So having all these other things, golf doesn't become a grind. And it's not going to lead to injury um, where we see a lot of kids that have specialized in one sport their entire youth as teenagers have the bodies of 50 year olds and are having knee replacements and shoulder surgeries and elbow you know tommy john the rate of tommy john and teenagers is terrifying right now so not specializing in a single sport so those are kind of my three my three basics to teaching kids very cool man yeah i can align with a lot of those um, especially since my son's five now and, you know, he's does everything under the sun and, you know, likes to swing a golf club. Um, I, I don't teach him anything cause I, yeah, don't I was going to say, don't, don't teach him. yourself. I, I don't want my nephew yeah. learning right. golf, like golf like you did. It'd be good. Yeah, no, but you know, I just let him get up there. Like you said, let him stand, take some swings and then tell him to, you know, remind him to put his hands together because, for some reason, kids love to keep yeah. their hands apart and, you know, make sure the ball's where it's supposed to be when he stands there. But other than that, you know, just, just let him hit the ball and have fun watching it fly. I think that's the, that's yeah. the initial grab. And, and since that very first range trip, I remember she stretched, she missed, you know, swing. That's the other cool thing about kids is they'll miss 10 times and not give a shit. And they hit the one good shot. That's like a super celebration, you know, yeah. That's awesome. That's yeah, and and just remembering that that one good shot is is where we always go back to. So like when we have to went that video that you kind of referenced earlier on Instagram, you know that was one of a handful of great shots she hit that day. There were a lot of others, <laughs> but she doesn't care about that because we're smiling, having a good time, and and taking pictures. She, takes, yeah, she likes sure. to grab my phone and take videos of me and and. Uh, whatnot so we're we're sharing that experience the other thing that i like is that she's involved in gymnastics because 
um, not only the, the strength and conditioning of it, but the fact that my wife and I know nothing about gymnastics. We literally, <laughs> we can just go, I take her to practice and I just sit and watch. And I don't know anything about it. I don't know anything about like the competitive scoring or anything. So I'm not screaming about anything. And that's, that's, that's cool. Kind that's of, cool. Yeah. That's kind of a cool thing where if she went and played basketball or, you know, I'm sure when she gets on a golf team, it might be a little hard for me to sit on the sidelines. <laughs> you know, being, you know, being a great golfer like you are um, or were, um, <laughs> what, what advice do you have when you're teaching your daughter? You're like, you know, so, you know, how do you go about helping your daughter with, with her swing? What kind of approach do you take? It might not fit for every kid, but I think having that kind of feedback is good. You know, just just how to work with a kid, you know, uh, with their golf swing. Um, number one is have fun. Um, yeah. I, as, so in that last job I had at, at Cool Clubs, I, I worked with a lot of junior golfers and a lot of really good junior golfers from the Bay Area. And a lot of them have gone on to really cool things in college golf and other things. But the ones that didn't, that should have, were just grinding so hard and had parents that just stood over them. And, you know, the the tiger mom thing, um, the helicopter tiger mom is a serious issue. So the first thing I said is when my kids come up in the game, we're going to have fun. We're going to go out and we're going to hit balls. You know, if we hit dumb shots, we're going to laugh about it. Um, and we're going to have fun with it. And that's what my daughter does is we go out to the range and I don't teach her anything. That's the other thing. I let her watch and let her do her own thing and kind of find her own way because I let her body work the way a hundred percent. I believe that everybody yeah. kind of has their own golf DNA with their takeaway and their grit, everything. My swing is a hundred percent unique. I do things that I would never teach to anybody. Um, and I let her hit balls. Now I'll correct little things like ball position. Um, I'll correct little things like where her hands go on the club, but I'm not going to sit there and, you know, put your hand, your hands are in the wrong position. If she gets out of position, I'll let her kind of make some swings and make some mistakes and go, okay, honey, put your hands together. And she puts them together and makes a good swing. It's like, Oh, there you go. Um, so that's, that's, awesome. that's number two is number one to have fun. Number two is letting her find her own way. She's five years old for God's sakes. I can't, you know, teach her too much. She gets sugar crowned down. And then I think the third thing, and it's really an issue in our country is not specializing in one sport. And she's already five and she's a gymnast. She, she's in a pre-competitive gymnastics group, um, which has been a godsend that she's, strong as hell now after about a year of this gymnastics she plays soccer um she does a lot of different things and then also plays golf so having all these other things golf doesn't become a grind and it's not going to lead to injury um where we see a lot of kids that have specialized in one sport their entire youth as teenagers have the bodies of 50 year olds 
and are having knee replacements and shoulder surgeries and elbow, you know, Tommy John. The rate of Tommy John in teenagers is terrifying right now. So not specializing in a single sport. So those are kind of my three, my three basics to teaching kids. Very cool, man. Yeah, I can align with a lot of those, um, especially since my son's five yeah. now and, you know, he does everything under the sun and, you know, likes to swing a golf club. Um, I, I don't teach him anything because I, yeah, I was going to say, don't, don't teach him. yourself. I, I don't want my nephew yeah. learning right. golf, like golf like you did. It'd be, yeah, no, that. but, you know, I just let him get up there. Like you said, let him stand take some swings and then tell him to, you know, remind him to put his hands together. Cause for some reason, kids love to keep yeah. their hands apart and, you know, make sure the ball's where it's supposed to be when he stands there. But other than that, you know, just, just let the him hit the ball and have fun watching it fly. I think that's the, that's yeah. the initial grab. And, and since that very first range trip, I remember she stretched, she missed, you know, swing. That's the other cool thing about kids is they'll miss 10 times and not give a shit and they hit the one good shot it's like a super celebration you know that's awesome yeah and and just remembering that that one good shot is is where we always go back to so like when we had to win that video that you kind of referenced earlier on instagram you know that was one of a handful of great shots she hit that day there were a lot of others (laughs) but she doesn't care about that because we're smiling having a good time and and taking pictures, she, takes, yeah, she likes sure. to grab my phone and take videos of me and and uh, whatnot. So we're we're sharing that experience. The other thing that I like is that she's involved in gymnastics because um, not only the the strength and conditioning of it, but the fact that my wife and I know nothing about gymnastics. We <laughs> we can just. So I take her to practice and I just sit and watch and I don't know anything about it. I don't know anything about like the competitive scoring or anything. So I'm not screaming about anything. And that's, that's, that's cool. Kind that's of, cool. Yeah. That's kind of a cool thing where if she went and played basketball or, you know, I'm sure when she gets on a golf team, it might be a little hard for me to sit on the sidelines. Yeah, for sure. Um, my, uh, my son just, I, I just got a, I put a video up of him not too long ago. He made his first basket at like at 10 feet with nice. a men's ball, but you were talking about your daughter's missing and swing. He's probably oh. missed a thousand shots at that level, but that one shot, that was correct, him, which is the best feeling in the world. 100%. Yeah. It's a pretty cool feeling as an uncle too. <laughs> For yeah. sure. Well, your 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 kids are your kids are really yeah, little so, still, Mark. I mean, relative yeah, so to, Billy, to my, uh, I My oldest is three, and she just started gymnastics. By the way, and talk about nice. not, when you say not knowing anything, I am clueless when it comes to what gymnastics is. Yeah, you could do a log roll, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, really barrel rolls is about what you'll get out of me. Um, without, <laughs> I mean, just thinking about doing a cartwheel, I'd pull a hamstring. Um, right. But, and then I got my son who's six months and um, to me, I, I am eager to at least introduce um, the game of golf to my daughter yeah. and just see where she goes with it and see if she is interested or not. I don't want to force it upon her, but I do. Right. I won't. Um, right. Right. Exactly. 
<laughs> um, just because I love it so much and it was a big part. Of, it's been a big part of my life. And sure, yeah, I get to see, you know, like Chris said, his son, I get to see him, you know, if we go to the driving range, him step up and, and hit balls. But to me, it's fun to try to pass something along to your kids that you've loved so much. I just want one of the two, just one of the two to love the game and, and play golf with me. That's it. Yeah. And the, the dream is, yeah. the dream is to get really good. And then we can go play in a father-daughter or father-son tournament and just wholesale yeah, ass and take trophies home. Really? Have you taken? Have you taken her well, on the we, course? We have not oh. been on the golf course yet, but she's ready. This last practice session, um, she kind of demonstrated some some behavior that, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, throw, I'll throw her in the cart and take her. I've been waiting for that, you know, that moment where. I'm comfortable taking either one of my kids out on the golf course, but I don't want them to be, uh, yeah. you know, too crazy out there and ruin somebody else's good time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, so we took my Mark and I, we took my son out once last year and then I took him out another time and, you know, he'll hit some balls, but off the tee and then we'll usually just pick up and bring it over by where our balls are at. No, we usually put we them in the fairway. Our balls are usually in the woods. So, or we, yeah we'll put his in the fairway and we'll get ours out and uh but he always ends up in the sand trap and not because his ball there just because he wants to play in the sand and build sand castles or rake the sand (laughs) which is fine i just want to get him out there and get him the experience and ride the cart but i've noticed uh, last year for sure i noticed it was more like i get to play in the sand forget this golf thing it's more, you know, it's more about just being with dad. And that's, yeah, that's absolutely. you know, when I take it. my daughter to the range, that means my son is at home with my wife usually. And she's super excited that it's just her thing. It's not, we're not taking the boy with us and it's not both of them. It's just her and my time to, to do what I love. And she, and she can see that I love what we're doing. She knows. I mean, kids are smart. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for this episode of the Breakfast Balls podcast. If you like what you heard and like learning from our mistakes, please subscribe. Also, if you're on Instagram, please follow us at breakfastballs.podcast. Panda! Listen! I said in a, in a message I sent you guys, it, it, your podcast sounds like just a couple buddies hanging out in a man cave with some drinks, you know, kind of having fun and kicking the shit. And I like that. <laughs> that's for sure Mark, so we're going to vegas in a couple of weeks and uh mark started working out for the first time in like six years <laughs> last week yeah i got uh i got 17 days to uh to get my body looking like a greek goddess again i mean a greek god boy so, yeah edit that a greek out, goddess you? I... Jesus. <laughs> so you're up you're up before sun up every morning like a fucking navy seal like charlie sheen and navy seals working out swimming lifting or uh, no yeah, no. Um, I'm I'm up before the sun. That's for sure. That's usually because my son is up, and he doesn't. He can't recognize that 
sun up means uh when the sun's not up you don't you don't wake up but no i'm usually up before the sun's up but it has nothing to do with working out it usually has me you know walking around a, a room with a baby in my hand that's my workout some, right now doing some yoga for the mature <laughs> but but i did hit the gym for the first time in the god knows how long and i'm sure i got some weird looks no <laughs> doubt you'll be sweated in 17 days <laughs> Yeah, I got no problem. 17 pounds in 17 days, right? Oh, easy. Should be, should be easy. Yeah, I think you can go without food for 21. That's so probably my only shot. <laughs> I woke up on Monday and I couldn't move because I had done like, you know, three sets of a bench press. And I'm like, holy shit, that bar was heavy. <laughs> you know, I thought, I, I thought that listening to the dead guys ACL podcast was <laughs> quite possibly I'm not going to say the dumbest thing I've ever heard, but borderline. I'm just kidding. Guys. Um, no, we get it. it you, you, don't worry. You're not going to offend us by any, any means. We know we're a bunch of idiots. <laughs> so good luck with your workout program. 